Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. something tonight that I probably haven't uh, haven't discussed with the church uh, on this on this wise probably for the last 20 years probably I probably have never brought it to the forefront it's something that I have brought into passages and into messages but I have never just really just dissected it and preached it and spoke about it and taught it on the level that I feel that God wants me to teach on it tonight and then the next three weeks you know, there's a lot of folks that battle loneliness in life. You know that. There's a lot of people that battle anxiety in life. There's a lot of folks that are stressed. We're living in a stressful age, a stressful time. And then there are people that have just worry upon top of worries. In fact, many people have no fingernails left because they have chewed them down to the quick. Because we live in a world, we really do, we live in a world that is fastly going nowhere. We've talked about Generation X, not knowing who they were, Generation Y, not knowing where they're going. And now it seems like that we've come to Z. There's a movie coming out, not long hence, called World War Z. I guess it's the end of all things. But we are, we're living in a time where... It seems like that there's a, a, another shade of the color of right and wrong. There is, there, 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 there's, a, there's, a, there's a thing happening in our world where right is not really right anymore and politically correct is more important than preaching the word of God correctly. And so I, I'm not, I'm not going to hurt anybody tonight, but I want to help somebody in this house. And for the next four weeks, tonight, the 10th, the 17th, the 24th, the 31st, we're starting a new series tonight. It's something that I have felt compelled to teach for a long time, and I haven't done it. I'm going to call it simply Rx for the soul. Rx for the soul. Or simply prescription for the soul. Now, I play golf, and when I, you know, everybody needs to sign their golf ball. And that's my signature on the golf ball, all X, R-X, because I don't want to put the E, everybody would know who I was. So I put R-X, so if somebody finds it in the woods, they'll wonder who he was, who was that, must have been a pharmacist, must have been a doctor, surely it wasn't a preacher, and surely it's not Rex Johnson. But I, uh, when I when I sign it that way, RX, I just simply tell the people I'm playing with, the doctor's in the house. Now, if you find my ball lost, it didn't belong to me because I find all of mine. But I'm going to talk to you tonight, RX for the soul, prescription for the soul, and I want you to help me right now. Dear Father, in the name of the Lord, I pray that you will give us favor and grant us wisdom and grant us understanding of what we're about to speak. Because, God, the language we're about to talk is greater than us. It's bigger than us. It's more mighty than us. It is the anointed word of God. And make this vessel, God, coordinate with your word and allow me to step into a position tonight that I can help some people and not drive people even further from what they need in their life. And that's joy unspeakable and full of glory. The word joy, joyful, joyous, joyously is mentioned over 700 times in the word of God. And I believe you want us to live in that realm and in that reign of spirit. Help us with our temperament. Help us with our attitude and help us with our tomorrows. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. God bless you. I won't be lengthy. You may be seated. You might want to take notes tonight. One of the reasons I love, I love the Bible, first of all, let me say I'm glad to see my friend Trent Fluitt. Trent. Wave at me, buddy. Right there is Trent. That's my friend. That's Trevin's brother. That's Jeff's two nephews. And we're happy to have Trent Fluitt with us. Give Trent a good hand. It's an awesome thing to have him. 
And also we have a precious family with John and Dina Parker tonight. Where are you folks sitting? I got my glasses off with somebody right over here. Let's give these precious people a great hand of welcome. What a joy. Wednesday night Bible study. So we're just relaxed. We're just enjoying each other. One of the reasons I love the Bible is that the Bible's not afraid to tell the truth. Even though uh, it's sometimes sordid truth. Like the fact that Abraham lied. Or that Jacob was a thief. <laughs> or that Moses had a murderous temper. Or that King David was an adulterer. Heroes of faith, they all made Hebrews chapter 11, every one of them. But the Bible refuses to gloss over their shortcomings. And it shows them warts and all. There's a four-week series that I am starting tonight of messages that I am titling Rx or prescriptions for the soul. And I thought I might as well not start with perhaps stress or worry or anxiety or loneliness. I might as well start at the top and work my way down. And maybe if we get up through this first week, we'll enjoy the next week's a whole lot better. Have you ever been awakened and just knew it was going to be a bad day? Have you ever had one of those times? It's going to be a bad day. A businessman, his wife, were, uh, his wife was experiencing depression, and she began to mope around the house, sad, listless, and lifeless, and no light in her eyes, no spring in her steps. She had, had no joy. So it became so bad that the man of the world did what only a sophisticated person would do. He made an appointment with a psychiatrist. And on the appointed day, they went to the psychiatrist's office and sat down and began to talk, and it wasn't long before the wise doctor realized what the problem was. So without saying a word, the doctor simply stood, walked over in front of the woman's chair, signaled her to stand up, took her by the hands, looked her in the eyes for a long, long time, and then gathered his arms around her and gave her a big old warm hug. You could see the change come over the woman. Her face softened. Her eyes lit up. She immediately relaxed. Her whole face glowed. Stepping back, the doctor said to the husband, See, that's all she needs, sir. With that, the man said, Okay, I'll bring her in every Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> but I have to play golf the other weekend, other days. I wish a hug could cure depression. We all would be depression-free in this house, wouldn't we? Because everybody gets hugged in this house. But we all have days when we're down in the dumps. And we just feel like it's going to be a bad day. But days then turn perhaps into weeks and weeks into months. And then the problem becomes more than just a bad day or a bad two or three days. It becomes depression. Depression has become an epidemic in this country. Doctors are calling it the age of melancholy. Depression has become so pervasive in our society, it's now nicknamed the common cold of mental illness. That's what depression is. Consider this. Since 1915, the risk of depression has doubled with each successive generation. And the average 30-year-old American is 10 times more likely to be depressed than his father. And 20 times more likely to be depressed than his grandfather was. Those are horrible statistics. And one out of seven individuals in this country will need professional help because of depression. Depression affects women two to three times more often than it does men. And depression by the year 2020 is on pace to become the world's second most disabling disease after heart disease. The World Health Organization already ranks it first among women and fourth overall. And one in four women are depressed and one in five men are depressed. Depression afflicts 18 million people at any given time. And over $40 billion a year are lost in work and health care because of depression. Major depressive disorders account for about 20 to 35% of all suicides. In 1935, folks, it was in the late 20s before somebody was ever affected with it. But in 1955 until now, the age has dropped to 15 to 20 years of age. People are becoming depressed so much early in life. In fact, if these facts are true, even at least 20% of people listening to this pastor this evening in the sound of my voice in this evening service is battling depression. And I don't want to make everybody say, well, you know what? Maybe that's what I'm battling. Maybe it's what it is. And I don't want to turn on the spotlight so much on it that we'll look at it and say, you know what? I think I'll just be depressed for the next six months. We're not here to point something to you so we can all embrace it. 
We're here to point something to you tonight so we can all embrace Jesus Christ. Because I do not believe in my thinking, I do not believe in my heart that it's the will of God for us to walk around depressed all of our life. I think it's the will of God for us to have life and that more abundantly. I think it's the will of God for us to have joy and that unspeakable. I think it's the will of God for us to have peace that passeth understanding in our life. I believe it's the will of God for us to have the Holy Ghost operating in our soul, in our service, in our todays, in our tomorrows. Amen. I believe it's the will of God. I'm not speaking about ordinary sadness. We all experience that from time to time. Everybody gets sad. There's a difference between having the blahs and having the blues. Psychologists have described depression in this fashion. It's on the screen. It's a feeling of helplessness. It's a feeling of hopelessness that leads to what we call intense sadness. It's a feeling of helplessness. It's a feeling of hopelessness that leads us to intense sadness. Here's a problem with depression. The initial feeling of depression often degenerates into deeper and darker phases of emptiness. Depression, what I say, what I believe goes through phases and each is more serious than the other. Here is the way depression might work, a passive or listless feeling. It might just come over you like a sadness, and you hang on to that sadness. Then it becomes an attitude of nothing seems to matter, and everything just doesn't work out anymore. Nothing matters. It's a feeling of hopelessness. It's a feeling of helplessness. And then it, 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 it denigrates on down to an attitude of feeling nothing is ever going to get better. So it starts with a listless feeling. And then it becomes nothing seems to matter. And then it becomes nothing is ever going to get better. And that idea that no one cares or no one understands, it's a sense of rejection. It's an emotion of I would be better off dead. It's a desire for death itself. I want to tell somebody in this house right now, and I may may get loud a few times, but I want to tell you this pastor doesn't want anybody to die with depression. This pastor wants everybody to live in the joy of the Lord. Amen. And this church that you're in, this church that you're a part of, wants you to have joy unspeakable in your life. I'm not trying to make you feel better. I'm really not. But one of the greatest heroes of the Old Testament, King David, battled depression. And he wrote about it in Psalms 42. In fact, I want to go there right now. Let's go to Psalms 42. Can we pull it up? This is in the New King James. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come to appear before God? He said, my tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? Watch this now. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of praise and joy. Isn't it amazing? He thinks about what he used to do with the multitude of them that kept a pilgrim feast. Let's read on. Read on. Verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Verse 6, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. That's the second time he said it. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon and from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep and the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. Verse, verse 8, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to, God, to, to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Verse 10, as the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, the third time? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Give praise for the word of the Lord tonight. Give praise for the word of the Lord tonight. Give praise. He asked a question that all depressed people ask at one time or another. Why? Are you cast down, O my soul? Depression was not only a malady, it was a mystery to David. Like some of you here tonight, David was in the valley of depression 
But I put in my notes real strong. But he did not stay there. He climbed out. I want to share with you how he climbed out of despair. I don't want to preach depression so you'll go out of here and say, my God, he didn't give us any answers. We're not going to preach about the negative side. We're going to talk about how you can come out of this thing called depression. It's the will of God for your hands to clap. It's the will of God for your voice to be raised. It's the will of God for you to praise the Lord at all times and his praise continually be in your mouth. It's the will of God for you to fill up the house of God with your voice. It's, a pray, it's the will of God for you to bring your kids to the house of the Lord. It's the will of God for you to get on your knees at night and say it's been a great day in Jesus. It's the will of God to get up every morning and say this is a day the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. It is the will of God for you to know joy like you have never known in your life, even in a time when there is not a lot of joy in this world. Somebody say amen to that. So David gives us two do's and one don't. Everybody say two do's and one don't. The first do that he gives us of how to come out of depression, he says you've got to face the fact of depression. Face it. Face it. Three times in verse 5 and verse 6 and verse 11, David asked the question, Why are you cast down, O my soul? It's a great start. He did not deny that he was depressed. He did not ignore that he was depressed. But he faced it head on. He said, I am depressed. Three times in 11 verses, he said, why are you cast down soul? I've always believed the first step in any recovery is simply to admit it. You've got to admit some things. Who said it? Was it Jesus that said you shall know the truth? And the truth will make you free. Everybody say truth. truth. is the only thing. That'll make you free. If you're depressed, you're not unusual. Some of the greatest men in history battle depression. I don't know if my son-in-law put it up. But here's a man that said, I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on the earth. To remain as I am is impossible. I must die or get better. You know who that was? That was Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president of the United States. The greatest prime minister that Great Britain ever had, a man named Winston Churchill, when he gave his famous speech at that college, said, never give up. Never, 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 never give up. But he called depression in his life that black dog that always followed him all of his life. He said, I had something that always trailed me. Depression always followed me. Regardless of your health, regardless of your wealth, Regardless of your fame, regardless of your fortune, you are not immune to the afflictions of depression. There's a lot of people that preach in the world today that Christians are not supposed to get depressed. I'm here to tell you something. Christians do get depressed. It is the devil's business to try to depress you. And if somebody starts preaching that montage to you, you need to stand up and say, my pastor told me different. Because two of the greatest men of the Old Testament, one named Moses and one named Elijah, both asked God to let them die. One led two and a half million out of Egypt to a promised land. And the other defeated 400 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of the grove on top of Mount Carmel, called fire down from heaven, and then called rain down. It hadn't rained for three years and six months. But Elijah got depressed and went into a cave and said, I want to die. Take me out of here. But before I leave this point, let me give you some common symptoms of depression. You are a child of God, and God knows who you are. And I'm preaching to you right now that you may be depressed, but the first thing you've got to do to come out of it is face it and not put it off. If we have to have an intervention tonight, let's do it because let's come out of this thing. Let's walk out of here tonight victorious over the thing that wants to drag us down. Amen. 
Oh, let me talk to you. Here's some feelings. Feeling of sadness, feeling of hopelessness. I wrote them down. Insomnia, early awakening, difficult getting up. Thoughts of suicide and death, restlessness, irritability, low self-esteem or guilt, eating disturbance. That ain't my problem. <laughs> I'm not anorexic either. Usually loss of appetite, weight, fatigue, weakness, decreased energy, diminished ability to think or concentrate, loss of interest in pleasure and activities once enjoyed such as sex. Chronic pains that fail to respond to typical treatment. Psychologists say that if you have four of these symptoms, you would be diagnosed as having major depression. Wow. If you have three of them, you'd be described as chronically depressed. you got to face some things, folks. You've got to look at it. And if these things are happening in your life, children of God do not need to feel the hopelessness of life. For we have a hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We should not be dreaming about suicide or death. We need to think about life and that more abundantly. Amen? Come on, let me talk to you. We don't need to think about restlessness and irritability. You don't need to have a low self-esteem and walk around with guilt all your life. Amen. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. There is therefore now no condemnation in them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Come on. Somebody needs to stand on your feet and say, I refuse to let hell sell me a bargain. I refuse to let hell sell me something that I can't, I can't get a, a, a check back on. I'm going to have victory in my life and not have these symptoms of depression. Say amen to that. Say amen. Everybody say, I'm going to face it. 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 And then the second thing you have to do is a don't. One, you do have to face it. The second one, don't fear the force of depression. If hell can get you afraid, he's got you right where he wants you. You've heard me say it many times. I'm going to say it again. Fear knocked on the door. Faith answered. No one was there. I love that. I'm going to say it again because you didn't get it. Fear knocked on the door and faith answered. Nobody was there. Fear and faith can't sit in the same room. You either trust God or you doubt God. There's no in-between. There's no, well, I think maybe. No, 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 no. If God is God and you're his child, he's going to take care of you. You don't need to fear the force of depression. Zig Ziglar said it this way. Failure is neither fatal nor final. I love Zig. And I want to add to it, neither is depression. See, practically all psychologists and psychiatrists agree that depression is caused by a combination of factors. Some physical, some emotional, some mental or a combination of all of them. I found that there are basically four types of depression. I did a little research for you, and I'm going to share it with you. Don't think I'm smart. I got it someplace else. I didn't think these up. That's what is called endogenous depression. Put it on the screen, endogenous depression. This is caused by perhaps a chemical imbalance within the central nervous system. Endogenous means simply to come from within. There's something that comes from within. Sometimes your wires get all tangled up in there, and, and sometimes this depression comes from within, and it's very explainable. You can, get, you can get these depressions because something just boils up in you. Something happens in your life. Something frantic takes place, and your wires get crossed, and you can have an endogenous depression. And then the second is what we call reactive depression. Reactive depression is a reaction to such things as the death of a loved one, perhaps a divorce, a breakup with a girlfriend, a loss of a job. A loss of health. You can have reactive depression. The third is what we call toxic depression. It's caused by an alien substance such as a viral illness, a wrong type of drugs, or a poor diet. That's a toxic depression. And the last is what we call psychotic depression. It's the type that's linked to a nervous breakdown, overexhaustion, a mental disorder, or even a brain disease. Therapists say the first two types of depression, endogenous and reactive, account for the majority of depressions that we face in this world. Say it with me, endogenous, reactive, toxic, psychotic. But Bible depression primarily is caused by four other things. Let's talk about Bible depression now. First of all, it may be a physical problem, a physical problem. David said, my tears have been my food all day and night. David was physically exhausted. Let me talk to you now. 
Some of you people are working yourself silly. And you're working two and three jobs and you're trying to get by and you're trying to make ends meet and you're trying to make the money last the month and the month is lasting longer than the money and I understand that. I really, really do. I really, really do. David was worn out. He wasn't getting any rest. He'd been running from Saul. Likewise, depression can afflict a modern-day workaholic who works late into the night, does not sleep a lot, rises early, eats on the run, gets very little exercise, and stays physically run down. It can happen to a housewife who has three or four or five kids hollering, yelling, unending household chores, crying babies, and more chores on her hands than hours in the day. It's easy to get run down. It's easy to get irritable and then frustrated and then depressed. Just simply a chemical imbalance when the various hormones in our body get out of sync and it stimulates within us an emotional reaction to depression. You can mark this down. When your body gets physically run down and worn out and your diet and nutrition is bad and unhealthy, when you're not getting enough rest, when your nerves are shot from pressure and anxiety, you're a prime target for what I call the monster of depression. So let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. Some of you need to turn off Jimmy Kimmel. Some of you need to turn off Jay Leno and David Letterman and go to sleep earlier. Some of you need to get up with a refreshed view of the day. You don't have to stay up and watch the late show every night. You don't have to stay up and watch a late movie and go to bed at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and get up at 6 and wonder where all your energy is. I'll tell you where it's at. Go to bed at 10, you'll find it the next morning. That's just good old pastoral advice. I'm sorry, I'm just talking to you. We had prayer meeting last night. A bunch of us went by Culver, I mean, uh, uh, Freddy's, and got us some custard last night after, after that was over, prayer was over. Custard's always good with prayer. <laughs> and a, and a couple of couples were going to come, and they decided to go home. You know why they went home? Because they were tired, and they wanted to go to bed. And you know what? I didn't fuss at them. I thought it was awesome and cool and neat because when you get tired, you know what you need to do? You need to go to sleep. You don't need to take a no-dose. Oh, I can step another two hours. Hallelujah. You don't have to prove you're a man. You don't have to prove you're a lady. You can stay up later. Go to sleep. One of the greatest advantages I've ever had in my life. I'm going to talk to you about it. When I was 18 years old, I needed eight hours of sleep. I had buddies that could stay up till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. We'd be all the same house, spend the night. I'd be in there asleep at 10 o'clock at night. You know why I was asleep at 10 o'clock at night? I didn't have any television to watch. <laughs> There wasn't nothing to keep me up, so we was bored in our house. We just went to sleep. And once you get in a habit of going to sleep and getting you some rest, I'm preaching to you right now. I know it don't sound real spiritual, but what you need to do is unplug some things in your house that's keeping you awake. Put some books up in another room and read them tomorrow. Put all that mental challenge that's wearing on you at the night. Take yourself to bed and go to sleep. It's amazing how you'll feel tomorrow morning and your physicalness will come back and your strength will come back and you'll feel like you can conquer the day. Come on, clap your hands. That's good teaching. I don't care who you are. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Sometimes it's an emotional problem, not just physical, it's an emotional problem. Why are you cast out on my soul? The scripture, the soul is the seat of the emotions. It's an emotional problem. But what psychologists call today the psyche, the Bible calls the soul. So the soul is the center of our emotion. Now, emotional or psychological depression is the kind of depression that comes because of upsetting circumstances. Things like sudden deaths. That's emotional. Things like somebody just got a tumor, found out it was malignant. Some, something like a spouse of 20 years has just told you they don't want you anymore, don't love you anymore. Just, just emotional things that come crashing down on us and put you in the throes of emotion. Incidentally, emotional depression can be contagious as a physical illness. It really can. If you get emotionally depressed, people around you, if they don't watch it, will get emotionally depressed with you. I, I, I read a neat story, and I, I preached it a long time ago here, about a, a, a New York police cop that saw a man fixing to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge, and he said, no, man, you can't do that. You can't do that. And so the cop climbed out on the bridge with the man and was going to save him. And the cop told him, said, if you'll just let me talk for 10 minutes about why life is worth living would you let me do that? And the man said, yeah. And he said, then I'll let you talk if you want to and tell me why you want to die. And so the cop talked for 10 minutes about why life was worth living. And then the man talked why it's important for him to die. And after 20 minutes, they both jumped. Because <laughs> emotional depression is contagious. 
Somebody gets emotionally depressed in a house. Before you know it, the whole house gets down. Somebody in a house that won't let that get on them needs to stand up and sing, Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. It is not the will of God for you to walk around months and years depressed with physical depression, with emotional depression. God has made a plan for you of escape. He can bring you out. There is nothing overtaking you but such is common to man. But God will with every temptation provide a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Do not fear depression. God is greater than depression. God is more mighty than depression. He's greater than anything that pulls you down. He's a puller up. He's a lifter of your spirit. And then there is what I call a spiritual problem. Physical problem, emotional problem. The third one in the Bible is a spiritual problem. And, and you know what the spiritual problem is? The devil just don't like you. He just don't like you. Devil don't like children of God. If you hadn't found that out yet, let me be the first to tell you. There is no Santa Claus. <laughs> and the devil don't like you. He really doesn't. He really doesn't like you. And the reason he doesn't like you is because you belong to the one he could never whip. And every time he turned around, that one defeated him. And that one wore him out. And that one put a ward on his head and a knot on his head that rose about 10 inches in 10 seconds. Every time he got in the presence of the Lord, the Lord wore him out. And the Lord's still wearing him out. I don't care what the world says. The Lord's still wearing him out. And so he can't whip him. So he thinks he can pick on his kids and bring you a spiritual problem and tell you when you go through your problem, when you go through your valley of Baca, when you go through your valley of Achor, when you go through your trouble, you go through your tears, that God doesn't care. I'm here to tell you God cares. He still cares. Don't you let a spiritual dilemma rob you of the glory and the victory that God has for you. Don't be afraid of that thing called depression. God is greater than that depression. He's greater. He's greater. He's a great tactician. There was an old fable that said the devil offered his tools for sale because he decided to go out of business. I wish that would happen. But he displayed these various tools, malice and hatred and jealousy and deceit and bitterness and had prices marked on them. But one of them was set apart and marked with a higher price than all the others. When the devil was asked why this particular tool was marked so high, he said, because this is my most useful tool. It's called depression. And when I get people depressed, I can do anything with people that I want to do with them. Do face depression. Don't be afraid of depression. Because when the enemy thinks he's got you running from fear, then he's got you right where he wants you. I'm going to make a statement some of you may not agree with, but the devil does have some power, but it is limited. Amen. The one we serve has all power. All power. All power. And I promise you the reason he wants you is because he couldn't get the one that saved you. And that's why he wants you. Say amen to that. And the fourth is what I call a personal problem. But I mean more than what you may think. You see, sometimes when you get just down the dumps and discouraged before depression sets in, we build up with our own hands. And I'm convinced, I meet some people who are depressed, that depression is of their own making. You can go around all day saying, nobody likes me, nobody likes me. I'm just going to eat worms. I'm just going to eat you can go around all day, just eat all the worms you want to eat. But you're slapped in the middle of a church that loves you. I don't care if you don't have anybody to go home to tonight but yourself. Anybody to go home to tonight but yourself. You are loved at this church. That's why you should never miss an opportunity to come and be with the love bunch. You're loved in this church. Do you understand that? This church loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. He meets you right here at the point of your knee. He loves you. I'm almost through. We're going to have watermelon in a minute, so don't run out on me. The good part's coming. It may not be my teaching, but it'll be watermelon. 
You know why we're serving you watermelon? Because somebody loves you. It's not because we want you to get choked on a seed. Somebody loves you. I think some people just get down on themselves and they get personally discouraged and become depressed just out of their own personal volition. Get up. Come on, get up. Let it at least be a physical problem. Let it at least be an emotional problem. Let it at least be in a satanic attack. Don't do it to yourself. Wow. Wow. Let me say something here. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm about to kick myself silly. I'm going to. Some people need to get off the negative cycle. Some people need to get off the negative train. Just, you need to get off of it. Just get off the negative train. It ain't going to, it ain't going, the sky's not falling today. It ain't going to be worse tomorrow. It's not going down. Everything's not going under. God's got his hand on this church. God's got his hand on this church. And what you're doing, you're reading the headlines out there instead of reading the the, the, the small print in the Word of God that says, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the world. If there's anything that's going to be saved, it's going to be the church. It's predestined. It's going to heaven. You get in this church. You stay saved in this church. You're on your way to heaven. You don't have to worry about what's happening out there. You don't have to worry about what's going on out there. Let it all take place. Let it all unfold. You're in the hands of God. You're in the hands of God. Don't pull depression down on yourself. Wow. Wow. It's kind of like that stupid story. It's a stupid story. I'll tell you a stupid story. <laughs> Heard a man who went to see a doctor, a psychiatrist one time. He said, Doctor, I'm depressed. And the doctor said, Well, how bad is it? He said, I'm so depressed I can't get out of bed. And when I do, I can't function. I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping. I'm not even putting two thoughts together. The doctor said, Well, you know what you need to do? You need to go on a long trip. Anywhere you want to go. The man said, well, I just got back from Hawaii. Now, this is not me. I didn't go to the psychiatrist. <laughs> and the doctor said, okay, let me suggest you go out and buy a brand new car. And the man said, I just did. I bought a $100,000 Mercedes Benz. And the doctor said, well, maybe you ought to just build a brand new house. He said, I just did. I bought a million-dollar home. The doctor said, let me, see, let me get this straight. You just got back from Hawaii. You drive a Mercedes Benz. You live in a million-dollar house. Why are you so depressed? He said, because I make just $300 a week. Credit must be good. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? We just bring things on ourselves. I have discovered, I have discovered that if I ever had a problem in church, I didn't have to look any further than me. A pastor of a church, I'm going to be, be honest with you tonight. I had to look no further than me because I was probably that problem. I probably got mean in the pulpit. I probably came to the pulpit a little mad at Brother Henry. I used to have those little things when I was a young preacher, and God finally leveled me. He said, you preach my gospel, not yours. And it don't happen anymore. It had never happened here. It won't start tomorrow. But I used to, I used to if I had problems, it was probably me. Let me tell you something. If I'm going to be depressed, it better be physical, emotional, or Satan better get after me. I'm not going to bring it on myself. Come on, tell me right now. Pastor, I'm not going to bring it on myself. I'm not going to be my own victim. I'm not going to put myself in, the own, in my own dump ground. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to come out of this thing because I'm not going to fear this thing called depression. It's just a word that God's going to bring me out of. Amen? Amen? And then the third thing, and I close. You have to face it. That's a do. You don't fear it. That's a don't. But then you do fight the feeling of depression. Ever say, I'm going to fight. Ever say, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight this thing. There's nothing wrong with getting depressed. There's nothing wrong with being depressed. There is something wrong with staying depressed. You can come out of it. God has not called us to wallow in the valley of depression. He's called us to walk on mountains and to be victorious. Do you believe that? He's called us to do that. The devil loves to see a child of God too depressed to fight the battle. Quickly, three things that are biblical. 
three things that'll help you. Here it is. Here's your answer. Number one, sometimes you just need to lie down. Oh, wives don't like that, me preaching that to husbands. They want them to get out in the yard and do some work. Sometimes you just need to lie down. You know, sometimes what we need for depression is just some old-fashioned R&R. Do you know that the reason I think that depression is on the rise in this day and time is because back in the old days when we didn't have, listen to me, when we didn't have, when they didn't have electricity, they had coal oil lamps. When it got dark, you went to bed. You got plenty of rest. You ate three squares a day. I used to have a grandpa that ate at 7 in the morning, 12 at noon, 5 in the afternoon. If his wife was five minutes late, he said, honey, what's wrong? You're slacking up here. The meal's not where it ought to be at the right time. He went to bed at 8 o'clock at night. He got up at 6 in the morning, whether he needed to or not. He got up at 6 in the morning. He slept a solid 10 hours. I never, see, I never saw that man depressed. I never saw him frustrated. I never, he just was the same. He was steady. But what's happened is we got into a fast warped society. We're into a fast society, and now we don't have time to just rest. We don't have time. It's just, you know, there's not enough hours in a day. You know I'm telling the truth. It's just speed, 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 speed. It's speed. It's warp speed. And, and where is all the time going? I told Patty, I said, Patty, we just got out of Sunday. I blinked my eyes, and it's Wednesday. In the morning, I'm looking to Sunday again already. It's an amazing thing how time is just flying. A week used to be forever. Remember when you was in school? Some of you 50-some-odd. Remember when you was in school? God, when's Friday going to get here? <laughs> Tuesday seemed like it was forever. Wednesday hump day. Oh, God. But you know what? Time is speeding up, and it seems like we have no time. We have no time. But I'm asking you to take time with your family. Take time with your life. And when you come home from work, you know you just need to, you need to relax every now and then. You need to kick your feet up on the, on the, on the coffee table. Pull your shoes off first. Put your feet up on the coffee table and just relax a minute. If it takes 15 minutes, just take your power nap. Just do something. Just do something to rest and relax. Just, just lie down. Express yourself. And David, David said it this way. He said, therefore will I remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mazar. What David was saying, he said, Lord, I'm just going to chill out here and meditate on you. You know, even Superman slept every now and then. Nobody hears Superman. Because we're running in a kryptonite world and it's taking all of our energy. Martin Luther one time said this way. This is the greatest statement I've ever heard. He said, I have so much to do today, I simply must go back to bed right now. <laughs> Somebody said, Pastor, are you real stressed working with us and preaching with us? No, 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 no. No, because the Bible said God gives the righteous rest. I feel so refreshed coming back from my vacation. I feel like I could preach for three hours tonight, but you can't listen that long because you had not been on vacation. <laughs> the second thing you got to do is launch out. Everybody say launch out. launch out. David said it this way. When I remember those things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept a pilgrim peace. In other words, he said, evidently, evidently David out there in the wilderness didn't get to go to church. And so he said, I remember when I used to go with the multitude. I used to go to church. I used to be a part of church. And now I'm away from church. Let me tell you what I think about church. Church is the reward of a life that needs rest. The Bible said he shall cause the weary to rest. You know why I love Wednesday night? It's a break for hump day. It's just a wonderful break. In the middle of the week, we come to church. We're relaxed. We're chilling. We're not trying to dress up and impress anybody. But we're just here relaxing the presence of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing to do on Wednesday night? Just enjoy the benefits and the blessings of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing to do? I'll put it on the screen. Isolation is poison for the depressed person. You cannot stay isolated. You need to get with the multitude. You need to run. You need to go. You need to show yourself and say, I'm not going to be a part of myself. Carl Menninger, a great psychiatrist, was asked one time, what his, what his Rx for depression would be and unhappiness. He said, well, the first thing I'd probably, you'd think I'd say is go see a psychiatrist. But he said, no. He said, if you're severely depressed, he said, lock the door behind you. Go across the street and find somebody that's in need and do something and help them. Because when you get out of yourself and start helping somebody else, it's amazing how you can come out of this thing called depression. And the third thing, 
And the final thing is simply look up. Everybody say, look up. Look up. Amen. Everybody say, look up. Look up. Everybody say, lie down. Lie down. Launch, out. Launch out. Look up. You know when Elijah, let me back, let me back up. When Elijah was in that cave and, and, and the thunder came and the, and the wind blew and earthquake came, pardon me, and the wind blew and God wasn't in it, but he's in that still small voice. He told Elijah to do three things. He said, I, uh, I do three things. He said, I want you to go anoint this king. I want you to go anoint that king. And I want you to go anoint the prophet. In the middle of his darkest depression, the Lord said, I want you to go and launch out and do ministry. Do ministry. I'm going to tell you a little story before I get into look up. I lost my wife and boy on a Friday, on a Friday. In 1981 on a Sunday we had a memorial service this is not a sad thing for me so don't think I'm trying to get you sad memorial service for him on Monday we had the funeral my wife and boy were in the casket together a four-year-old boy 26 year old wife in the casket a man preached that memorial service that night there was many many ministers there many many people our church people standing all around and when he got through preaching, he gave an altar call. He gave an altar call. And people came down. I was taking flying lessons at the time from a man named Richard Music. And Richard Music was a man that was away from God. And Richard, his wife, and his daughter came to the altar. And that, that man who was in the pulpit looked at me on the front row and said, Brother Rex, come here. And I walked up, and I knew what he's going to do immediately. I knew what he's going to do. He said, I want you to go pray for those people. They're wanting God in their life. Lead them to Christ. And I looked at him, and I wanted to say, don't you get it? Don't you get it? Man, I'm hurting. It's been 48 hours since I lost half my family. Are you, are you, are you really real? Are you saying that to me? Pray for them. I'm an old Holy Ghost preacher. I went over and laid hands on them, and all three of them received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Did it take the sadness away? No, I hurt that night. But it let me know that no matter how deep I was in my depression, in my emotional anxiety, God still had a mission for me to accomplish. Somebody needs to go anoint a ruler. Somebody needs to go give a Bible study. Somebody needs to go help somebody. Somebody needs to go work in the community. Somebody needs to get outside yourself. You need to launch out. And the third thing you need to do is look up. Everybody say look up. Look up. David, verse 5, said, Hope in God, for yet I shall praise him. Again, in verse 11, Hope in God, for yet I shall praise him. And I'm finished. In other words, David got his eyes off himself and got him on the Lord. He got him off his circumstances and got him on the Christ. Yet I will praise him. Whew. I want to apologize to this church for not preaching praise more fluently than I. I have not done it in the last several years. But I want to tell you something. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer and praise. Don't ever underestimate the power of praise in your life. When you're in a, when you're in a situation you don't know how to get out of, just praise the Lord. Just praise the Lord. When things are, don't seem like they'll ever work out, just praise the Lord. Just praise Him. It don't matter who you are. It don't matter where you come from. Just lift your hands and praise him because God inhabits the praise of his people. He loves praise. That's his address. That's where he lives. And when you praise him, everything starts working out in your life because you're getting out of yourself and you're getting into him. David said, I'll lift mine eyes into the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. I got a letter I want to read you in closing tonight. Dear Pastor, I'm a 27-year-old female. When I was 14, I began to experience depression frequently. I was not a Christian, nor was I raised by Christian parents. My depression continued as I grew older. And as, I, as a result, I became worse as time passed. I became a chronic suicide case. 
When I was 20, I went to a psychiatrist who diagnosed me with manic depressive, put me on lithium, told me I would be this way for the rest of my life. The drug therapy kept me from going into severe suicidal depression. However, the deep feelings of depression and despair were still a reality. I finally came so low that there was nowhere to turn but to the Lord. I heard the Christian life was supposed to be the only way to live, but God was not real to me. I decided I was going to seek God with my whole heart. Then if I found this to be nothing but an empty endeavor, I would give up living. I fed up on tapes of your Bible teaching. The Lord began his work on me. Through his word as you taught, the Holy Spirit showed me exactly what my problem was and what I needed to do about it. My problem was sin, a heart that would not forgive, and it was making me bitter. And I turned to the Lord and asked for help for him to forgive me. And I continued in the word diligently, and the transformation process took place. The Lord delivered me from this depressive illness. The memorizing of scripture is anew in my mind. This is the only key for anyone suffering emotional problems because it's the living word of God and its supernatural power to transform anyone's life and mind. No doctor, no drugs can do what the Bible has done for me in changing my life. P.S. P.S. By the way, I've been off medication, all medication for three years. Obedience is the key. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a professional therapist. I'm not advocating that any of you here on medication get off your medication. There is no medication, though, and there is no drug that can substitute for God and for his love and his presence and his word in your life. Amen. Amen. Everybody say, Pastor, I'm going to face it. I'm not going to fear it. I'm going to fight it. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody praise him with me right now. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Doesn't it feel good just to praise him? Hallelujah. No music, nobody singing, just praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Bless his name. Honor his presence. Worship his deity. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I love you. 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 I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mental health be a part of Christian Life Church. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let the peace that passeth understanding be a part of this church right now. In the name of the Lord. I pronounce a blessing of healing. I pronounce a blessing, God, of deliverance. I pronounce a blessing right now of faith, of faith in the hearts and the lives of these people because you are greater than any problem, any situation that we have in our lives. Would you stand to your feet all over the building? Clap your hands to the Lord. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Huh? Bless his holy name. 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 Never in my ministry have I ever attacked a situation like I attacked tonight.
but I felt it in the Holy Ghost. Years ago, I close, Randy, if you'll help me. Years ago, I was evangelizing. The young preacher didn't know a lot about life, didn't know a lot about preaching, couldn't find a text. Just get up and cry to people and love on them a little bit, and they'd get saved and get the Holy Ghost, get baptized. It's just it's awesome. I came up to the church one day to, to pray and study at church that night, and I came up to the church in a Louisiana town. And I walked up, and I noticed that there was a man sitting on the porch. It was an older man. I was a young man, and so I, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want to be plagued with somebody taking all my time. I had to get ready to preach, you know. But it's kind of like the Lord when He was trying to establish His church. People kept getting in His way. He had to heal this one and touch that one and raise that one and bless that one. So I sat down by the old man, and he uh, he got to talking to me about life. He told me he used to know the Lord, and he used to go to church, and then somebody hurt him and bothered him to a point where he didn't want to come back to church anymore. But he still loved the preacher, and he still loved church, but he just didn't love some of the people in the church. And because of that, he... He would come to the church during the day and sit on the porch and bless the Lord when nobody would bother him. That was his story. Did I give him an answer? No, I didn't. I didn't have anything to say. But I think it's a sad plight when a person allows people to become greater than the Savior. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people that, that quit church and give up on God and stop going to church because somebody hurt them emotionally or somebody hurt them mentally. Their psyche has been damaged. But let me say something to you. If you can get to the porch, you might as well come on in. Because I, I, I promise you this, I promise you this. When the, when the roll is called up yonder, it don't matter what that man said about you. It don't matter what that woman said. It don't matter what they declared. It don't matter if they said you'd never make it, that you'd... There's people who didn't think I'd ever be a preacher. I had people tell me to go home to West Texas and give this thing up. I almost believed them. Some days I wish I had them. When I don't do good, you don't have to come by and tell me if I preach good or not. You don't have to tell me. I know when I did good and when I didn't. And sometimes when I don't do good, I wish Sunday was the next day so I could write it. But it's all right. The point of the matter is, is you cannot allow people, you cannot allow the enemy to destroy the presence that defeats the enemy of your soul. I said it last night in prayer, and I'm going to close with this tonight. I said it last night in prayer. A Holy Spirit-filled church. The Bible said when the Spirit of truth will come, He'll lead and guide you into all truth. There's something about the Holy Spirit. It does works for us that the Word will never do. The Holy Spirit just absolutely operates. And, 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 and many times I'll be preaching on the grace of God and the Holy Ghost is working on you. saying, uh-uh, no, 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 you don't need to do that. And all of a sudden you say, where'd that come from? That's the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost is operative in a church, it'll direct you and lead you into all truth. And the beauty of the Holy Spirit, a Holy Spirit church, is that it keeps you it keeps you with victory in your life and in your heart. Thank God for the Holy Ghost in a church. Thank God for the Holy Spirit in this generation, this dispensation. Amen. There's nothing like it. Amen. Join hands with somebody. Let's, let's join hands. Dear Father, I thank you for tonight, and I thank you for your blessings, and I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I don't want to embarrass anybody by having an altar peel tonight by asking who's depressed in this house. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to hurt anybody tonight. But, Lord, I know that I've ministered to somebody. I know I talked to somebody in this house tonight. I know I preached to somebody that needed what I had to say. A word fitly spoken is like an apple of gold and a pitcher of silver. And I believe that. And I trust that what you're doing in this church right now is valid and right. And I believe that you are helping us all over this building. God, let us have faith. Let us have faith. Let us face the situation. Let us don't fret over it. 
let us fight it. Let us understand that if we'll rest ourselves, if we'll commit ourselves to helping others, and if we'll bless you and praise your name, we'll come out of any situation that has us hindered in this hour and this day. For it's in Jesus' name. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.